Warren's right, the journals are $5. The gold-plated ones are available for $500 if, you, if you're interested. My name is Brian Treas. I'm the family pastor here at Fellowship, and it's a pleasure to get to be with you this morning. We're kind of find ourselves this weekend in between series. We finished our Christmas series uh, on Christmas Eve, and we're going to start with a, a vision weekend next weekend. And they kind of told me that I could talk about whatever I wanted. And I'm guessing you guys aren't interested in talking about your 2015 NFC East champion Washington Redskins. Okay, so I thought we'd stick to the Bible, all right? So we're going to... We're going to be in Psalm 23, if you want to turn there. And Psalm 23 is one of those great psalms, whether you've been in the church for years or you've never been in a church before, you've probably heard of Psalm 23. You may have heard it for a funeral. Don't worry, we're not here for a funeral. Um, but we're here. This is one of, the, um, one of the texts that God has really used in my life over the course of this year. And so I just wanted to share uh, some things from it that I've seen. And so we're going to be in Psalm 23. And as you're finding Psalm 23, I want to tell you a story about my dog. Uh, my dog's name is Bailey, and she is a golden lab. She is 100 pounds. She's a big girl, uh, but she's my dog. And we got her like three days after we moved to Topeka in June of 2006. And so we've had her for almost 10 years, and she's been with us as we've had three kids. And she has literally experienced everything you can experience with three children. They have uh, examined her and poked her and prodded her and jumped on her and rode her. And they've done everything possible to Bailey. And Bailey never reacts. She just sits there. And you know, I imagine she's smiling because she knows she's not allowed to do anything. She's been a great dog. But there's one thing about Bailey that drives my family nuts, right? And that's she's my dog. She's my dog. She listens to my voice. And so Bailey could get out of the house. Bailey could be doing something she's not supposed to do. Bailey could be running here, too, there, everywhere. And they could call her, and they could try to get her to stop, and nothing works. They could say, Bailey, 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 nothing works. But if I say, hey, Bailey, come here, she's going to come. She's going to heal. She's going to sit. She's going to stay. She's going to go down. She's going to shake. She does whatever I ask her to because she's my dog, and she follows my voice. Now, why am I telling you about my dog? It's not because I think you're dogs. But it's because if we follow God, we are described in Scripture as sheep. And we're described as one who have to follow a shepherd. And if you turn to Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. That's the title of the psalm. And then it's written there, it says in, in little, little itty-bitty print, it says, A Psalm by David. And that's really important. It's really important to know that David was the author because if we go and understand a little bit about who David is, it makes even more sense you see, we learn about David in Scripture when we come to the book of Samuel. And in the book of Samuel, God has turned his face against Saul, who was the king. And he's decided that he was going to use Samuel to anoint another. And so he sends David to a town called Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse. Sounds like we've talked about this around Christmas time. But Samuel is there to find the new king. And he goes up and down the line, and they bring out the sons, and the sons stand before Samuel and he says, God, is this the one that you would have be king of Israel? No. Is this the one? No. And no, no, no. And on down the line. And Samuel's confused when he runs out of sons. He says, surely you have another son somewhere. And, and then Jesse's turn to be confused. Well, I do have another son, but he's the smallest. He's the run of the family. He's, he's out tending the sheep. Surely you don't want to talk to him. That was the one, and he brought him in, and that was the next king of Israel, but we know that his beginning was that as a, as a shepherd. And so when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, 
David has a particular understanding of what that means. David has been in the position of the shepherd. He has been in charge and responsible for the sheep. He has had to be the one who is out there taking care of the sheep. The smelly, stinky, not very smart sheep. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is assuming the role of the sheep. And he's saying, I have placed myself under your care and under your authority. Two things we're going to look at today. We're going to look at two truths and two questions as we get into this text. And the first truth that we need to look at today is that the Lord is our provider. That everything we have and need comes from Him. And David makes this very clear in the first line. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is absolutely nothing that I need, nothing I desire that I cannot find in my shepherd He provides for everything that I need. And now he's going to go into some details. He says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes me to the soft place, the comfortable place. He takes me to the place where I can find my nourishment, where I'm able to graze, where I'm able to get what I need. He leads me beside still waters. It's a peaceful place. It's a serene place. It's the place where you get the water that you need for survival. His physical needs, his bodily needs, God has taken care of those things. David says, when I am with you, when I am with my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And then he says, he restores my soul. You see, the shepherd is the one that makes everything right, that is able to put everything back together. He is the one that takes us in our hardest of times and is able to bring us back. And he leads us to those green pastures. And he brings us by those still waters to give us what we need to survive. And then he says, he leads me in the path of righteousness. There's really two ways you can read that, that verse. He leads me in the path of righteousness. We traditionally think of righteousness as the things that we should do. We think of Jesus as righteous, and we're trying to look more and more like him. And so the good shepherd is leading us down the path to look more and more like Jesus, and that's a completely appropriate reading. But in the context of it being a shepherd, it really kind of is the right path. He leads me down the right path because that's what a shepherd would do. A shepherd would lead someone down the right path. You take the sheep to where they need to go. You get the sheep from the pasture to the new pasture, from the waters to the next bit of waters. He leads them where they need to go. And here you have David saying, everything that I need has been provided by you. You are my good shepherd. The New Testament says it in a different way. It says in Ephesians 1, 3, that every spiritual blessing that we need, we have in the person of Jesus. It has been given to us. James will say it this way. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. There is literally nothing that we need, nothing that we have that doesn't come from Him. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why? Why is the Lord our provider? Why does He give us all that we need? Well, it tells us in the very next line. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me for His name's sake. You see, the shepherd is the one that's on the hook. It's not the sheep's responsibility to go find the food. It's not the sheep's responsibility to go find the water. It's not the sheep's responsibility to take care of itself. No, it is the shepherd's responsibility to provide for the sheep. And everything that the sheep has, the shepherd has provided. 
Because that means something very particular for the shepherd. He gets the glory. The shepherd gets the glory for taking care of the sheep, not the sheep. And we are tempted to look at the houses we live in and the things that we have. We're tempted to look at the positions that we hold and the comfort we feel and say, look at what my hands have provided. Look at what I have done. David says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. I I shall not want all that I have needed. He has provided for his name's sake. He is our great provider. Second truth that we need to look at this morning is in addition to being our great provider, he is our great protector. The Lord is our protector. And we walk into this verse 4, which is a verse we've heard many, many times. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a very picturesque verse. I picture myself walking through a valley. And when you are in a valley, there's something that's hanging over you. And I normally like to think of a mountain in the valley, right? And you have this mountain that's creating a shadow over you. And it's picturesque and beautiful. Only this picture that David's presenting is not picturesque. He's not in the, the valley in the shadow of the mountains. No, he's in the the valley of the shadow of death. We don't know exactly when David wrote this psalm. We don't know if it's when he was being attacked by Saul or if he was being attacked by his own son Absalom who was attempting to take over his throne. We don't know if it was during one of the many wars that David fought, but the reality of death was very near to David. It was on the table, and he walked in the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't know about you. I don't really live in day-to-day fear that I'm about to die. But I will tell you that there are days that I live in day-to-day fear. There are days where I walk knowing that I am in the valley of the shadow of something and it's hanging over my head and I can't stand it. With my personality, I'm very even keel. Sometimes you won't know, but I know that I have fears and things that I've been afraid of. And if I've had things that I've been afraid of, I'm pretty sure you have too. And so what do we do? What does David do? He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will look evil in the face and I will say, I will not fear you. How can he do that? How could someone living in the valley of the shadow of death look at evil in the face and say, I will not fear you? And it tells us in the next line, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He understands that the Lord, his shepherd, is the Lord, his protector, and that the Lord, his protector, is in the trench with him. He is not alone. He does not have to be afraid. Whatever may come, whatever may go, he is in there with his shepherd. He knows his shepherd, and he knows his shepherd is with him. And then there's this beautiful little picture it paints. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, oftentimes when I've heard a rod and a staff talked about, it's talked about in the concept of discipline. And I truly believe that God disciplines his children. Hebrews is very clear that those whom God loves, he disciplines so they will look more and more like him. But discipline is not what this text is talking about. This text is talking about someone walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And they will not fear. Why? Because God is with them and he is there with a rod and a staff. And David knows he doesn't have to hide in the valley of the shadow of death. He gets to hide in the shadow of a Savior who has a rod and a staff there to protect him and comfort him. 
whatever he may be walking through. You see, David knew what it was like to be comforted or to comfort a sheep. You see, David was the shepherd and he was there when a bear and a lion came and attacked his flock and he had to protect them and stand up and lay his very life down so that the sheep could be protected. He understood what it meant to be the one with the rod and the staff providing protection for the ones who were in fear. Now David says, I am that sheep. And you are my provider. You provide everything for me. You are my protector. I stand in your shadow. But I love this text because it gets better. Right? He's, not just our, he's not just our protector. We don't just stand in his shadow. No, he throws us a party, right? The very next line says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So in the presence of my enemies, there's this table. Now, we might be tempted to think about like our celebration tables. Anybody, everybody have a, like a Christmas dinner? Anybody have a Christmas dinner? Okay. Anybody have a good Christmas dinner? Okay. If you're sitting with the person who made it, your hand should probably have gone up, right? That, that'll help you out a little bit. Okay. So we had a great Christmas dinner. My wife spent a lot of time and prepared it, and it was phenomenal. You know, ham and potatoes and cream. It was just it was great. It was great. Everyone around the table loved it except my five-year-old daughter, and she just doesn't like food. So it's okay. We had this great meal. And you know what we did when it was over? We put the food away. We cleaned the dishes, and everything went back to normal. That's what a festive celebration looks like now. But back when this was written in the ancient Near East, let me tell you about what a table looked like. It was an all-day, all-week party. Nothing ever was empty. When food trays were gone, they'd put new ones out. When the cups were empty, they'd fill them up. No, these people knew what to, these people knew how to throw a party. And David's saying, in the presence of my enemies, when all the chips are down, you are there not only providing all that I need, you're providing more than I need. You give me this banqueting table in the presence of all that I fear. You provide for me and you protect for me in ways that I can't even imagine. And he continues to bless. He finishes that verse and he says, you anoint my head with oil. It's a a great blessing in that culture. He says, my cup overflows, my cup runneth over. All that I have needed, your hand has provided. David is the sheep, the Lord is his shepherd. He shall not want. Those are two truths that we can hold on to. We can hold on to the Lord being our protector and the Lord being our provider. But now I want to ask us two questions. And to ask these two questions, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of John, chapter 10. The book of John, chapter 10. There is nothing that explicitly links these two passages that's not quoted back and forth. But I can't read Psalm 23 without thinking about John 10. You see, we've been studying John 10, or the book of John for the last few weeks. We've looked about who Jesus is, that he is the God-man. He was the Word made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And John gives us something that the other Gospels don't. It gives us these seven I am statements out of Jesus' own mouth that declare who he is for people to hear and see. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. And in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And I can't read those words, I am the good shepherd, without thinking about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
And in John 10, verse 11, he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what we studied this, this Christmas season, isn't it? That the good shepherd is the one who came and was born and came to declare war on sin and death. He who grew up and lived a perfect life. He was flesh and he was blood just like us. He was like us in every way, sin only accepted. And he lived a perfect life and then he willingly, willingly chose to give his life up. He willingly laid his life down for the sheep. And on that cross, God poured out on him all of the sin and all of the death that was supposed to come to me. And he was able to give to all who know him the righteousness of Christ. But this good shepherd did not stay in the grave. No, he rose again. And now he is preparing a place. And one day he will come back for those who know his name. John ten fourteen says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And so the first question I want to ask you this morning is, do you know the good shepherd? It might seem like a really basic question. It might seem like a really easy question. But I'm not asking if you know about the Good Shepherd. I'm not asking if you know of the Good Shepherd. I'm not asking if you could tell me some of the things the Good Shepherd does or some of the good things the Good Shepherd wants you to do. I'm asking if you know the Good Shepherd. I'm asking if you have a relationship with Jesus where your affections have been turned and stirred by Him. Where you see what only He can do. And what only he has done. You see, it says the good shepherd know my own and my own know me. And I'm guessing that in a room with this many people in it, the chances are that there's some people here who have not yet met the good shepherd. We want to be a church that helps people find Jesus. That helps people know the good shepherd so that when he calls you, you will hear him and you will follow. If you are here and that question is resonating or stirring within you, if you are thinking in things you haven't thought before, if you say, you know what, I, I've never met that good shepherd, but I want to meet him and I want to know him. My prayer is that you would not let that feeling go that you would wrestle with that and then you'd grab someone who's sitting in your aisle, that you'd come out and grab someone in the lobby, that you'd talk to it about it. Give us the honor of helping introduce you to the Good Shepherd. Do you know the Good Shepherd? I have a second question to ask us this morning. It's for people who could say, yes, do you know the Good Shepherd? The second question is, do you listen to his voice? Do you listen to his voice? John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. I said earlier, we want to be a church that helps people find Jesus, but that's not it. We want to be a church that helps people find and then follow Jesus. If you have found Jesus, you will follow him. Scripture makes that clear. Why do we follow Jesus? Why is this important? Why is it important that we know the voice of the good shepherd? He says it right here. They know his voice. 
Verse 5 follows that up. It says, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this is the danger that we face. The danger that we face is that there's a lot of other voices that are calling out for our attention, that are calling and saying, Come and follow me. Some of these are negative voices. Some of these things are fears that we are holding on to and realities that we're having to walk through. And it's calling us to give in to those and to get off the voice and off the path of the good shepherd and to follow those. But some of them are good things. Good things that God has given us. Careers, finances, resources, people, popularity, power. All these things are voices that are calling us to come and to give everything we have to it. When Jesus says, those who are mine, they know my voice and they follow me. So my question for you this morning is, do you listen to his voice? Are you able to hear him and follow him and abide in him and love him and him alone? So now we need to ask the question, what what does that look like? What does it look like to follow his voice? I'm going to flip flip back to Psalms 23. This is going to be the last time I ask you to flip. We're going to finish this psalm out. David, after he's talked about the Lord being his provision and protection, he ends with this prayer. He says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When you understand who the good shepherd is, when you, when you know him and when you follow him, you understand, you can see his protection, his provision in your life. And that is the goodness and the mercy that will follow you. How does good and mercy follow you? It follows you as you follow the good shepherd. And David's prayer, David's hope is that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so how do we get there? How do we have goodness and mercy follow us? How do we dwell in the house of the Lord forever? How do we know his voice? Well, what I want to share with you this morning is two things that have been very helpful for me. And I don't stand before you as someone who says, I have everything figured out. And if you just follow these two things, everything's going to go great. This is my experience. These are the things that have been very helpful and beneficial in my life, and I want to share them with you. And I didn't put them in your notes, but if they resonate with you, if this is something that you see, take them, follow them. And the first is this. You will not know the voice of God if you do not know the Word of God. You will not know the voice of God if you do not know the word of God. You see, God is always communicating to us. and He communicates to us through his spirit, through his word. And the same spirit who is at work, the same spirit who helped record these words that we get into each and every weekend is the same spirit that is alive in those who know the good shepherd, who is helping you understand the words and apply it to your life. And I have had to make this a daily practice. Not a weekly practice, not a every once in a while practice, not when I'm in need practice. No, this has had to become a daily practice in my life. So much so to the point where when I have not done it in my day, there is something aching in my bones because I need to spend time with my Savior. I need to spend time with the Good Shepherd. 
one of the things that we've done as a church is we provided a journal and we talked and joked about the journal a little bit earlier. We provided a Bible reading plan. I know that there's something in us sometimes it's like, I'm not going to do the thing that they say to do. We have a little bit of rebellion in this. I have that in me as well. But I got to tell you, I do the journal. I do it every single day. And it is a time where I get to meet with God and God has this funny way of wherever you are at in the scriptures of being able to speak to and apply them to your life. But it has to be more than just a game. It has to be more than just on a need base. It has to be something where you are pursuing him through his word. If you want to know his voice, if you want to listen to it and follow it, you must know it through his word. Make it a daily practice. Don't make it a New Year's resolution. Make it a daily practice. The second thing that I've found in my spiritual life that helps me uh, know and follow the Good Shepherd is dealing with the issue of contentment. Right? That's really what Psalm 23 is all about. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What we are tempted to do, we are tempted to say, I, I want. The Lord is my shepherd and this is my something because I want something else. That's, that's what we've kind of turned Christmas into a little bit, right? The things that we want, the things that we get. And contentment has this really bad way of working in me and spiraling and spiraling and spiraling until I get to a place of bitterness. Because I'm not content with what I have. I'm not content in the place that I've found myself. I'm not content with the person that I, that I am at that moment. And so I've had to learn to tell myself the truth. And so this is my phrase. I say, if I cannot be content with Jesus, with who I am, with where I'm at, and with what I have, right here, right now, then I will not be content with Jesus when I get whatever it is that I think that I want. See, that's the lie. The lie is that if we just get that next thing, if we just have that next possession, if we just have that next toy, if we just have that next relationship, that next person, then we'll be content, and then we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that's not true. You will dwell in the house happily forever when you are content to dwell with Him and only Him. Can you find yourself content with your good shepherd and in all that he has provided for you with what you have, with where you're at, and with what you have right now? Because that's the key. See, this is my prayer. This was David's prayer. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life when I understand that he is my provider and he is my protector and I know that he is my good shepherd and I follow his voice. These things come with the package. But they're not the prize. The prize is the shepherd. And what I want in my life more than anything is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is my prayer for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is full of promises. Father, and every promise in your word is true. You are our great provider. You have given us all that we have needed. Father, you are our great protector. No matter what fear we are dealing with right now, we can stand behind your rod and your staff in the shadow of our shepherd. Father, there are people in this room who have never met you. 
who do not know the good shepherd. And Father, I pray that they would not be comfortable with what you are wrestling inside of them. Father, I pray that they would reach out, take a step of faith, talk to someone. Father, they would meet you and walk out changed forever today. Father, there are some of us in this room who have met you, who have done the cultural thing, who, who know Jesus is, but we're not following. Father, I pray that we would be a people who listen to your voice, who seek you and find you with all of our heart. Lord, whatever, whatever valley of shadow of fear that we live in, Father, I pray that you show us that you are greater and that all who belong to you will be safe in you forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.